Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to season 4, episode 12 of Headstrong. This episode is brought to you by Luke Bryant. Luke Bryant is a jewellery designer based in Norfolk and he's extremely passionate about sustainability and the effects his industry could have on our environment. Because of this, he's specifically designed his process to have the least harmful impact on the world that we live in, while still delivering an amazing high quality service and product. Everything he produces is made by hand and entirely out of recycled sterling silver. All pieces are made to order, which makes every piece slightly unique and all the more special. Go check him out now at Luke Bryant on Instagram or his website and use the code HEADSTRONG for 15% off. Thank you for tuning in to episode 12 of this season 4 of Headstrong. You're listening with me, Louis Strong, the host of this show. Now, I created this podcast to help the listener, anyone who tunes in, to understand what it means to be headstrong and what indeed the word headstrong means to all the guests that come onto the show. But to me, it means to believe in yourself, to talk about your vulnerabilities and reinforce your self-worth. Now, every guest that comes on also talks about a variety of other things. And that's no different for the guest that I have today. I'm joined by actor Freddie Thorpe. Now, Freddie has recently been in a hit Netflix TV show that took the world by storm. He also has a number of other acting credits to his name. And we had a really interesting discussion about his upbringing, particularly about school. We also had a chat about his audition process and where he's actually compared himself to others. We also delicately touched on the word addiction and what that means to Freddie. So without any more delay, I will let you listen to the episode. Enjoy. Freddie, thank you so much for joining me on Headstrong. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you for having me. (laughs) No, my absolute pleasure. I I thought it was a good time to... uh, to have a chat with you now, considering the the, the recent success that you've seen uh, in 2021 with your the latest Netflix Netflix show. Um, but before we jump into that, uh, where are you at the moment? I am in my flat in London, um, just currently in my bedroom. Welcome to my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I recently got back. I did I did a couple months for this last lockdown in the countryside in Herefordshire, um, just to try and surround myself with nature um and now i'm back back for good a wise therapeutic choice i would suggest well that was the intention (laughs) (laughs) yeah might not might not have gone that way how have you found the last 12 months then because it's been it's been a been an odd one to say the very least yeah i mean look i don't think 
I would be the only one to say it has been a taxing year for a lot of people. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've just kind of tried to power through it in the best way I could. Um, that sometimes meant weeks of being disciplined and trying to, you know, get myself up early, go for walks and just do whatever I can to stay motivated and have a routine and forge a routine out of whatever I could. And then there were some weeks where perhaps I was a little less disciplined and, you know, that, whatever that meant. Um, but I think, you know, the most, the thing I took from it most was just to kind of allow myself to be where I was at, you know, and if I felt in that motivated mood, then go with it. And uh, if I was feeling a little lazier, then to be okay with that too, because I think we, we definitely train ourselves to, kind of almost demonize that this sort of lack of structure or you know if you wake up and you have nothing to do it's very easy to beat yourself up and be like well you know you, know, you should be you should be more productive but I think in this particular circumstance <laughs> it's it's been a nice bit of training to just be okay with that for a bit and, yeah I think one what, what, the what the one kind of universal lesson I think it's showed and allowed everyone to, to kind of experience is life doesn't have to be at a thousand miles an hour. Mm. And you can mm. kind of just kind of, you can have your foot on the back pedal. You can just, you know, if you do wake up in that, you know, on those days where you are feeling unmotivated, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really something I've, I've taken from it. And uh, I, I think these last few years really have been quite, you know, pedal to the metal. And uh, to have that time to perhaps take a step back and breathe and hang out with my family and just, you know, kind of consolidate my position, just figure out where I'm at and uh, give that headspace to just, you know, chill for a bit has been very uh, meditative, I would say. So when did you um, when did you wrap the show uh, then, uh, Fate? So we actually wrapped, <clears throat> so it would have, it was just coming up to Christmas 2019. So, uh, it was a long post-production. Um, I think, well, what really happened was the, the release got pushed because during that first year or the, the first few months of COVID, <clears throat> a lot of productions got halted. And I think from Netflix's end, they, uh, wanted to spread spread out the release of what they already had in the bank so uh -huh. you know they they just moved things around and i think we were originally supposed to drop the show around september last year but you know what it probably worked out in our favor because yeah well in england anyway we had the third lockdown so everyone was at home waiting for a new show and um you know that's when we we dropped it so i think on a purely personal you know selfish level that was um probably quite quite good timing for us yeah I, I would i would say so so that that dropped in uh in kind of middle to end of january now exactly. what have those kind of last three months been like well two and a half months been like then in terms of personal uh uh kind of response and personal interest and the public response to to yeah. you the show yeah i mean look it's always it's always a, a bit of a surreal experience because like I just said, I mean, you shoot, uh, it, it, we, we finished, we wrapped at the end of 2019. You're then, you know, messing around for a year and, and you know that this, this beast is going to come out and you never know how it's going to land. Um, and I think particularly with this one, at least, you know, from me, I, I, I really didn't know where, which way it would go. You know, obviously, I knew it appealed to a younger audience and that they're, they're of course a fan base of the original cartoon. It's, you know, they, we, who knows whether they were going to like it or not as a true kind of representation of the show they've fallen in love with. Um, so I was really kind of, yeah, just didn't, didn't really know where, where it was going to land. And luckily we've had such a positive response. So yeah, these last few months have been nice. I mean, it's been great to see that we, we, the show's done so well um, for what it is. And yeah, um, kind of press junkets and all sorts. You know. Yeah, 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 totally. What would you, okay, if I had to give you the opportunity to to pitch the show, a one minute, one minute elevator pitch, how would you summarize it? 
Well, I mean, really, it is a drama set within a magical school called Althea, which is in a magical realm uh, called the other world. And it is a story about these young people who are kind of finding their footing, uh, kind of discovering their, their magical powers and how to tame them, really. And there's a few influences from outside nefarious forces. Um, and in between that, you know, they're just being teenagers <laughs> and they're uh, falling in love and finding out their teenage angst and working out who they are, really. So it's, uh, yeah, that, that's how I would briefly summarize the show. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, but without like uh, drawing on your character and comparing you, but did you draw on personal experiences yourself then um, for the character and stuff like that? Do you ever bring in kind of personal <clears throat> ideas and concepts when you take on a character and in, in interpretation? Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think for me anyway, it's so important to, when I first take on a character, I'll often the first question I'll ask is how is this person similar to me? And you, I kind of look at those and identify those and they can be quite tenuous or, or, you know, it's not, we're not talking about direct, you know, comparisons, but even just character traits or, or little things, nuances that are similar. And then, and then of course I ask myself, well, how is how, how is he or she different? And because, you know, I could play a woman, who knows? <laughs> um, I actually did do that at school. That was of for, my, for my A-levels. I played, I played a very, uh, yeah, quite a loud lady. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll ask myself how they're different. And then that's the work I've got to do, really. So I, often, often the similarities in the character um, is the easier stuff to get right. But it's, it's, it's the things that are different. But I, I, I think... It's really important to bring a, a part of you into each each character. You know, you still got to protect protect yourself, but um, if you want to convey a, a level of truth, it's it's important to to see where what, what you can draw within your own history, your own life, to to bring that into the role because often that can help. Totally. How do you find that that training side of things for for just generally in terms of film tv and theater but the yeah. combat side of things and the fighting how do you find that do you enjoy that because i anticipate that you do well i mean it's part of the job isn't it i think it's right it's quite a good day at the office it is a good day at the office no no i, I absolutely i mean I, if if i'm totally honest i mean what excites me most is is doing a really really cool scene i mean not 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 it's not the fighting it's not the stunts whatever as exciting that is i mean i come home from work the best days i have is when you've done something where it's been really alive and you just that that's what gives me the butterflies and, and the adrenaline but um i've worked on a couple of projects where i've been quite active and had to do some stunts and, and the like and yeah i mean it's fun it's you you've it just definitely you feel like a child again because you've got these very cool stunt teams who who show you the ropes but you always feel safe of course um and yeah, you just got to do some wild stuff that you'd never really, really thought you'd do. Um, With a show like like Winx, was there quite a tight-knit kind of group within your kind of uh, main cast then? Because I imagine that's quite important in a, in a piece like like that. Yeah, well, I think it's important. In, well, in, exactly. In, yeah. in every job. Um, you know, but particularly stage, but I mean, film as well. It's it's so much about collaboration. Um, and if you can be, you know, you know, really gel as a, as a group on an ensemble piece like this, it absolutely adds to the, the magic both on and on set. Cause you know, the chemistry is real, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the dynamic was brilliant. I mean, it was, it did feel like school again. I mean, it really did because yeah, yeah, yeah. We, were, we, we, the, the, the cast is probably, you know, the core cast is, is about 10 of us, I'd say, and all of varying ages, but they, they were all a bit slightly younger than me. And we're in a school environment. It, it definitely had, uh, 
uh, a nostalgic feel uh, in terms of the school environment. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, we all got on well, and uh, it's it's very important that that is the case. Yeah. Let's go. Let's dive in straight away. Series two. What's going on? Give us the goss. Series two. Yeah. Well, we recently got green lit, which yeah. is very exciting. Um, we have not got dates yet, but it's looking like the second half of the year. Um, we've got a couple more episodes, which is great. So the shoot will be a bit longer. Great. And in terms of story, even if I wanted to, I can give you anything because they are very tight lipped about it. I mean, we did chat to the showrunner towards the end of season one on the shoot and he definitely has an idea of where he wants to go so we have a rough idea but there's definitely nothing i could give you concrete because we don't know <laughs> no of course that and that's fair enough with a production like that i can only anticipate it being very uh open to a select few yeah i mean i i think and that select few is as small as the the writer's room and i don't think it's even it's not even just about complete secrecy i think that they are writing it as we speak Mm. so it's just a it's an evolving you know an evolving beast so we will find out probably only when we get the first script so which will be closer towards towards the shoot Sure. Uh, it's, it's, I, just to kind of go on a tangent myself there, you use the word beast and that's a very yeah. accurate description of, for those who have never, quite often, you know, many people have never experienced what it's like to be on a, a set. And I can only imagine a, a show like this as well is on, <laughs> on location, is it? Are you on it's location? It's a mixture, actually. It's a yeah. mixture. But I mean, so talk, give, us, give us a sense of like the capacity of what we're talking about here. Well, not I mean, it's, me. Yeah, I mean, it is absolutely bananas i mean film film sets uh i mean they call it the you know traveling circus because it is um the amount of people involved on a project like this is is monumental i mean i i couldn't give you numbers but what what you well what happened on this one anyways we were we were living in dublin um we were shooting the whole thing in ireland there's these studios about 45 minutes south of dublin called ardmore studios um and that is the unit base that's where the production office is that's where they also had three sound stages which was the majority of the interiors were all shot on these you know sound stages and you know even us when we went round for the first time they they were still being built and i mean they they, they you know these these sound stages are absolutely monumental and they construct complete worlds and habitats within them um and it's always surreal going in and it's always amazing how how they do it and the work that the that the um you know that the designers put together and put in for that um and yeah i mean that was great and then it's a mixture we then shot a lot on location as well which is mainly the exterior shots and the stuff in the woods and we were based at a house called kilruddery which was this old I couldn't give you a date, but big old stately pile, um, which was only 20 minutes from the the studio. And that was kind of the exterior of the school. And we did a lot of days there as well. And then some days we'd have, you know, 200 extras to be the rest of the, you know, students in the school. And I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's a mad, mad experience that doesn't get old yet. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, you've got a pretty magnificent collection of credits to your name, already and they're you know they're 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 pretty great from overdrive um safe obviously another netflix show mm. um and you've been working for an actor now for a, for a few years and yeah. I, i'm curious to ask you now that you you know you're finding this success i mean there's probably two or threefold first of all how do you find the life of an actor and the kind of unpredictability of the quote unquote um you know when's the next job coming so to speak <laughs> Yeah, I mean, big question. I mean, yeah, this is what I signed up for. And, and I, as you say, I, I've been doing it for a while now. And I think you're constantly learning more about how to position yourself in the world, in your world of, of being an actor. So, and, and what works for you and what doesn't. Um, and I think... There's such a uh, a contrast between when you're working and you're on set and, you know, you're very structured, rigid um, schedule and routine. And then you come, you come home 
and <laughs> you're just back into normal life and it's about yeah where's the next job coming from um and of course there there are slow months but for me i feel it's all i'm i'm you're constantly auditioning right so it it never feels too far away it's just about patience and waiting for the next job to come along and of course that can that can be an anxiety sometimes but i think i do my best to tune out any any anxiety about it because at least for me in the past few few years some even when you're at your lowest point something usually pops up and and before you know it, you're on another roller coaster um and that is what is so exciting about doing a job like this that's what it's all about you mentioned the word routine there they said you thrive off having that routine when you're working on a job and have you kind of over those years then of, of when you have gone from job then to back to normal your normal kind of life and surroundings have you found a, a suitable routine that works for you when you're not working yeah good question um well look i think well i can't speak for everyone but yeah i when 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 we're when you've got when anyone has a routine i think for whatever reason you can you're just more you're more in in the flow of life and and actually the the busy the busier you are the easier it is to get shit done you know um and and so i think over, over the years i've i've realized the most important thing i can do when i am at home is create a routine for myself in whatever form that might take and i am still fine-tuning that routine i mean there's by i by no means have have it down i mean it's always about um keeping busy for for the for the most part but um find finding ways in which to be productive and feel like you've achieved something so it's not about just going to dinners all the time or seeing friends and you know going on holiday whatever you know whatever that that means it doesn't it doesn't um lubricate happiness that you need you need to be doing stuff um where you feel like you've achieved and so i mean for me anyway that that that's what i always aim to do on my off time um because only then am i really in in the right flow that when the auditions come along i'm i'm feeling you know fresh and alive so i can really really do my best I'm curious to ask you then, because this is something that I struggle with from time to time, and it's very important to just kind of get on top of it from time, you know, to help you switch the mindset. But something that um, actors are incredibly good at is comparing ourselves to other people and <laughs> through through kind of no no kind of reason whatsoever, but it just is one of those things, you know, the mind is our, the, the evil genius amongst us. Um, how, how do you, do you, does that happen to you? Do you, do you find yourself comparing yourself to other people at similar ages in the industry and, and, and things like that? Yeah. Yes. And no, I mean, I, of course there has been times and you, and you, you can look at even usually more peers, people I know. And like every now and again, you could look at, Oh, they got this job and that's great and whatever. But I, I actually, for the most part, I, I'm very much a believer in the fact that we've all got our own, paths you know there's a, there's enough work out there for everyone and the, and all you're doing by comparing yourself to other people is creating a narrative where you're not good enough because if if i mean if you're comparing yourself to someone who, who's doing better for example all, all that does is manufacture this 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 mindset where it's like well then he's doing so he's got something i don't or uh, you you know he he's doing something better that i'm not and that is not healthy and it is well i wouldn't say easily avoidable but it is something that you should really spend the time and attention not not to do because it's completely self-manufactured i mean it's only Mm. you who's creating that narrative so although definitely for for the first few years i mean i did that didn't even it didn't even occur um but i i make a considered effort not to and and that that's just goes hand in hand with with i think the quiet confidence that you need to 
to kind of persevere in an industry like this. Um, yeah. I think well, it's important to definitely retain that self-confidence because otherwise what, what was the, you, you can't really be an actor really. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, it's well, I mean, and, but also it, almost like we were saying earlier with lockdown, perhaps you might slip into that mindset for a bit. And I think it, the best way to approach it from there is is not to demonize yourself for it and just say okay well this is this is what's going on at the moment and kind of just accept that and let it pass because again if you if you if you like fight it again all that does is create a bit of conflict within yourself and and that probably only precipitates it and makes it hang around for longer and all it takes is just you know, a good meeting or a good day, a good conversation with someone in the shop and suddenly your mindset can shift. Um, so I think it's just about having an ease and a kind of fluidity to, to your, I mean, the fluctuating mindsets that perhaps we all can be subjected to. Um, and that is what the constant um, evolution and learning, I, I'm still, you know, still, still figuring out. But um that's the approach I have, which is just try and approach it with a sense of ease and and don't don't create more problems for myself than I need to and just accept accept where I'm at at that time and eventually, like passing clouds, the sky will be blue again. This episode is sponsored by Luke Bryant Jewelry. Now Luke is a jewelry designer and every piece is made by hand with recycled sterling silver. Luke does have set pieces but every piece is completely unique and different he also offers a custom jewelry service where you can work with him to create something to suit all your desires and needs to make your jewelry dreams come true if this sounds good to you go check out at luke bryant on instagram or check out his website and use the code headstrong for 15 percent off (laughs) <laughs> yeah, something you also mentioned as well is then that you there's uh, the the permanent sense of consistent auditions, uh, and that requires a lot of attention. And I'm curious yeah. to know your how your audition process has evolved, kind of over the years since since your time at Lee Strasberg in 2013, and how you tackled it then when you were what 19. Yep. Yeah, 18, from when you were 18, 19 to how you are now and how that audition process has evolved and your thought process behind a, an audition and how you kind of tackle one. Sure. Well, I mean, it definitely has changed. I mean... And so oh, it should, happily. I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I, when I first started out, I I think you're just so full of, of you know, confidence and, and perhaps a little untainted you know because you can definitely be um tainted by by the you know monotonous routine of auditions um but uh when i first started out i i definitely would you know fly in smile on my face sometimes would be reading off the page but as long as you know i I would never compromise on the performance but you know if i just you know did it well and i was very familiar with the text I'd, I'd, i'd literally go in script in hand talk whatever and i was a lot more casual about it then and and that worked for me which is why i didn't it didn't it didn't cross my mind to be like okay you need to blah 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 blah. um but certainly over the years i take each audition a lot more seriously and i always put in a lot more preparation i would never go into a to a um to an audition now and not not off book i mean I'll, i'll always have the lines down um and i i mean i i i uh, yeah that's that's a given um and but what's interesting is i feel like even when i started that was fine it was fine to go in with 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 the with the sides in your hand whereas now i feel like i would i would be it would be a you know a, a black mark in my uh, yeah, in my, yeah, in yeah. my margins if, if i turned it so i don't know whether that's just an age thing where they kind of are more forgiving for younger younger actors or, or whether it, it has just changed but um no anyway i would i i definitely feel a lot m- more free as well when when you're completely off book you're you 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 are definitely a lot more able to play and explore and you're not you're not constantly kind of worrying about what the next line is um but yeah i mean auditions auditions are great i actually really i really enjoy them because each one is an exciting 
prospects um and the only ones i really come out of feeling uh feeling bad about is when i know i haven't put in the work so it's not so much uh, you know i might not get the best response from them or whatever but that doesn't bother me it's only if i know i have have un undersold myself so you know i just didn't prepare enough or i messed up here and there that's when i come out of the room and I'll, and i'll feel i'll beat myself up but if i go in there and i do a good reading and you know that's it i i really am i'm not um i'm not i'm not fast about the outcome because that's all you can do i mean that, and that's it you're you're there to offer uh uh you know a take your take on on what you could perhaps bring to the role and that might be what they want that might not be but often that's it, it's 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 not about your performance it's not about it's just whether you're right for the role or not and i really you know firmly believe that it sounds like you've learned to kind of compartmentalize then how your your kind of approach because i always think that you're going into the room and or like I was speaking to someone the other day about it actually, and basically said that it's not, they're not against you at all. No one in the room is against you. They actually want you to succeed because they're looking for someone ultimately. And that's, that's it. Like they're not there to critique you. They're there for the, like the greater good and the benefit of your, your presence, I suppose. Well, yeah. And they're, they're there. I mean, not even, I mean, they're there just, get 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 the role for the director that that's 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 hired them you know but they by no means you know are there to to mess you up or make you feel bad they're, they're there because they, they need to do their job which is find who they think is suitable for the role and it's not even compartmentalizing it it's just it's just actually the, the case i mean even on the on this last the shoot that i'm about to start um in a couple of months um i have slightly been brought into the casting process for some of the other characters, which is the first time I've been on that side. And it's so interesting because it's only reaffirmed my, my mindset about this. Cause you know, for the first time I'm looking at other people's tapes or other people's auditions. Um, and it, it, it does apply. I mean, for example, the, the one by probably the standout, um, audition was this, this lovely girl from science. And she was definitely the best actress, but she wasn't, she really just wasn't suited for the role. And that was a conversation the director and I had, which, you know, blew my mind, but, but she just wasn't, she wasn't right for the role. And, and that just showed you that e even though sh she was probably the best performance, it just wouldn't have worked in context of this script. And, and that is what the selection process is. So as long as you go into the room and you feel happy with what you've done, and the chances are they're looking at it and they're being like, great, he's great, but not right for us next. And that's not rejection. That's not your shit. That's just, all right, cool. That's not, and, and you know, there will be one or two that is right for you. And that's the ones that you land. And so I, I, it's not even just a, you know, a, 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 a a crutch that I use to get through the rejection. It, it, I genuinely don't see it as rejection. It's just, I mean, unless I do a bad job and then I'm like, well, that's, that's on you because you know, you could have done better, but that's my job to, to make sure I, I go in there and at least do the best I can. And so, yeah. It sounds, well, it seems to be going all right. Then you're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, I don't know. <laughs> As you say so. <laughs> now, um, if you're if you're happy to, I would um, I'd like to kind of talk about your childhood and, and family and your your upbringing, if that's all mm. right, and if you're you're happy to talk about it, because yeah. we we spoke sure, on the man. phone, um, I'd say a couple of weeks ago now, and we were talking about something that's particularly um, notable in your life that might resonate quite a lot with a listener of this podcast um yeah. and that's notably um somebody that you know that has tackled uh, addiction mm. um and i i wanted to talk to you about as a child what that experience is like and what mm. at what age you found out about it and actually knowing what what the, well, yeah knowing what it's like as a child and do you actually fully comprehend the meaning of it and, and when did you comprehend the meaning of, of it? course well i mean look, this is i mean i could speak for a long time about it but uh essentially yeah so my father i grew up with my father and he is 
has always struggled with addiction his whole life um and hasn't i mean my my parents split when i was three years old so i grew up primarily with my mum and the approach she always took to that was as soon as i could comprehend it which i mean we're talking eight years old you know we i mean i think she probably would have seen how how my character formed i mean i was always naturally inquisitive so she felt comfortable to have very frank conversations with me um and she was never sugar-coated so i think from a very early age i would be having quite frank and mature conversations with my mom and coming to terms with what that is and what that means um and i think yeah i mean it's a of course it's a it's a big it's a big thing in my life um and actually more more and more as as i get older do i i also somehow feel that 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 whole a little bit more but um yeah i think what 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 i can really reflect on i think that i can compare to perhaps my peers at the time is it did give me a sense of uh maturity perhaps from an earlier age because i was slightly grappling with these ideas that perhaps at 15 10 12 whatever age i was um others might not have and i think that always created in me a uh a desire to engage in in conversations like an adult and and it, it matured me from a young age um and i definitely think uh you know that that that's good that was good for me i mean it was it was who i am it it, it formed my my character in such a way that and perhaps also drove me towards towards acting i mean it's it's something that i think i'm sure a lot of people have uh you know family members i think every every family will will be touched by addiction in some way um and i think the the best revelation i had which probably came when i I was around 16 um was learning to let go of uh any sort of idea that it's firstly because of me or like that because i think often you can you can um you think oh well if he loved me perhaps he'd change you know and so if he's not changing that's because he doesn't love me and you, you you put yourself through that 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 pain really um and and it's so hard not to not not to feel like that because it's just the the way it is and the 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 most cathartic realization for me which was really hard to come by um was just to let it go and accept him for who he was um and and remove myself from any situation and that wasn't it wasn't about and and kind of forgiving him you know and 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 just you know not harboring any resentment because that and that wasn't for him that wasn't for him to remove any guilt that he had it was for me because the more i held on to negative um emotions and 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 kind of attached negativity to my relationship with him it only made me feel bad and so that's why it was such a hard kind of thing to comprehend is actually the kindest thing i can do for me is is forgive him you know and 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 it and it really was uh a, a turning point in in my relationship with him um because i just came to not expect anything from him and when i think often well for me when i was younger it was that that disparity between expectation and reality so i would almost without a doubt be let down by him you know false promises come to this or see you then I'll do you this or, and just you know strange strange things um because I was always expecting oh no maybe this time he's going to be the father I, I I've always wanted maybe this time he'll be and and ultimately that it never proved to be true so it was just about perhaps not expecting anything from him and 
I was never disappointed. And 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 it's it you know it's it's sad that 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 is the reality, but it's it's been um it's been good for me, and it, it's definitely helped me grow into a position where I now can have a very friendly relationship with him because it we're friends, you know, we're we're, we're friends, and 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 I love him for who he is, but you know I'm never gonna feel that that hole of you know that the real paternal caring figure in my life but so what was there i mean thank you for sharing it but when um when you were in those younger years and those four more formative years what was that was there a presence there then as in were you what was the kind of dynamic and situation if you don't mind yeah i mean so like i said i i I mean i grew up mainly with with my mum but he wasn't i mean he would he lived all over the place i mean he was always he lived in sri lanka jamaica thailand I mean, he was all over, but every now and again, there were, there were moments, months, years, whatever, where he was in London. And of course I'd see him, I'd be allowed to go to stay um, with him for weekends. And yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was quite strange. I mean, he was definitely still in, in, you know, the throes of addiction and, I think I, I saw some some things that perhaps an eight year old shouldn't see, but again, it, it was it was stuff that I digested and kind of processed, and and it only you know helped me create my kind of view of the world, um, and it gave me an insight into into the other side of, of life and it's not all kind of rosy in you know going to school you you're kind of you can be protected in in this bubble of lessons and night whatever but i definitely saw the other side and and actually that i think that probably harbored an adventurous spirit in me because i was like god life can offer so much and there's so much to it and i know i'm seeing life you know as a young person, I'm seeing life through these blinders and I definitely, it, it instilled in me, I mean, perhaps not directly that my relationship with my father, but I was, I've always had this, this intuitive um, yearning for adventure and what's on the other side of that curtain. What, you know, what, what, you know, I want to, I want to see what every, what, what every corner of the world has to offer. Um, and yeah, and I think that that's been with me from a very young age. Uh, but yeah. So where when so when did acting kind of fit in? Then where did it fit in in your childhood? Did you start young? Yeah, I mean i've I've been I've been doing it for since. I mean, obviously we're talking school plays and whatever. Yeah. Um, but since six years old, doing the nativity play and whatever, and. Uh, doing all that and then I did do a, a little advert for <laughs> Volkswagen uh, when I was I don't know probably 10 or 11 uh-huh. um, which was quite funny which needs to probably <laughs> it's going to rear its head at some point um, and but I, I definitely I mean I, I wasn't thinking I was going to go into it as a profession at that point um, but it was always a um, you know a a place where I felt comfortable. So I, I, I would always find myself as part of any school play I could get my hands on. This was the safe space where I felt like, right. It felt right for me. And I always loved performing and I always loved getting stuck into a, a text. So, but when, when I really considered doing it professionally was, it was around 16, I was doing a school play and, um, and uh, the director, or the, he was the head of drama at school at the time, a guy called Simon Dormdy, who was an absolute legend. And he, <laughs> I might not perhaps have had the best relationships with all my teachers at school, but he always saw the best in me. And he was just a stand-up guy, like really just great. And always had, you know, had, saw me for what I was. And there was, I, I think I could have slightly was misunderstood by a lot of teachers at school and but he he always i don't know saw me saw me in a, in a positive light anyway he was directing a play and 
unbeknownst to me, he invited a couple of agents to come watch. And that was when, yeah, when I was 16. And then the next day I got an email from, it was wearing a McKenna. I got, next, I got an email from them saying, hi, Freddie, you know, I watched your watch to play last night. Um, we'd love to have a chat, perhaps, you know, take you on. Blah, blah, blah. And that was the light bulb. I was like, ah, okay, yeah, this is, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I want to do. And so from about then, it's been my, you know, my, my absolute drive and goal. Um, and I, that was, that was that, um, yeah. How, how do you reflect on your time at school then? Because I mean, we were introduced by a mutual friend, but I mean, you were a couple of years above me at school and I'm interested to know your experiences then and how you, how you reflect on education as a whole rather than necessarily school. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I always felt trapped at school and I, it does, it's not about just, you know, the specific school we were at. It was not about anything like that. I just, I know, I think no matter what school I was at, I would have felt, uh, trapped i mean i always was just i think that institutionalized feel just always was just a bit closed box for me and and it goes back to what i was saying before i all i just wanted to get out and adventure and i knew that there's there's so much out there for life to offer and i i just didn't i always felt slightly claustrophobic in that environment however education is so important and i I'm grateful for everything I've learned. Um, and I think school is just weird for, for, for a lot of people. Um, but I think I was, I was a little bit of a, you know, ragamuffin. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I had my ways and I did find myself in trouble quite a lot, but uh, it was never malicious. It was always just cheeky, you know, whatever it's <laughs> just be just be cheeky and you know wanting to push the boundaries which is still who i am today i mean i you know i like to to just take things to the line and maybe dip it dip a toe over the line and, and, then, <laughs> and then perhaps come back to the right side of the line but it's just about yeah i like to push boundaries and see what what's what yeah, that I, uh, was definitely true at school as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would ask you if you can divulge further on that, but I don't know how much you want to say. Well, I mean, it's nothing that interesting to be honest. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's not not worth going into. It's just silly, silly schoolboy. School so, what, what's so what's next for you then in terms of goals? Because you're saying that your acting is your your power and your drive and your life. What is what is that ultimate goal then, or is it? A, do you have a set kind of goal for the year, next five years, life goals, or is it kind of individual goals? You know, hit one and then onto the next, hit one onto the next. Yeah, I mean. Of course, there's there's an overarching uh, goal of just you know being happy and healthy and successful and keep keep my you know keep the momentum with work and and to to keep on moving towards the kind of material that excites me and to do to do films that I would want to watch. But I, I, in the short term, I, I really kind of just take take it day by day. I mean. It, it, it's so it's so um kind of you have to kind of have short-term vision in this in this industry because you don't know what's coming up next and you can't you can't plan for the future because for all you know you're going to get something that's might film for three years in in hungary whatever and it's just you just gotta gotta go with it so i think on a day-to-day i it, it's just about you know keeping sane keeping healthy evolving as as a person constantly learning and and just with the underlying uh drive of of moving forward and that might be one step forward two steps back then two steps forward one step back but it's 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 all part of the journey and i try and take it all in my stride and um yeah i suppose the ultimate goal is just to be doing work that I'm really excited about and that I want to show off and that, you know, I, I, I would come away being like, yeah, no, that, that was good. That was cool. That was, that was, yeah. This is a question that I ask every single guest uh, at the end of my, my episodes. What does the word headstrong mean to you? Mm, interesting. I mean, I would say 
headstrong really means to me anyway is is to have that quiet confidence and and quiet, quiet confidence is is what i think helps anyone achieve what they what they want in life no matter what profession you're in it's about uh, uh, a solid um understanding of yourself and and what you can what you can achieve and and then just quietly <laughs> um going about going about that in the in the way that you've learned how to very nice very nice mm. um freddie mm. i really appreciate it thank you so much for joining me um thank you thank you uh have a have a lovely lovely uh, well i wish you, wish you all the best with uh, everything else that's coming up this this year with winks especially yes thank you um but yeah <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Luke Bryant Jewelry. Now, Luke makes some fantastic handmade jewelry pieces entirely out of recycled sterling silver. His process as well is with the environment in mind and everything that he does is designed specifically to have the least harmful impact on the world that we live in. If you're interested in some new sterling silver pieces, be that necklaces, rings, bracelets, go check out at Luke Bryant on Instagram or check out his website and use the code HEADSTRONG for 15% off. And that is it for this episode of HEADSTRONG. I want to say a huge thank you to Freddie Thorpe himself for joining me on this episode and having a really engaging and interesting conversation. I wish Freddie all the best for this year. I hope to see Wink Season 2 out very soon and any other projects that he is working on. Thank you so much to you, the listener, for tuning in once more and having a listen to this chat with Freddie. I really appreciate it. Now join me next week for my series finale with an absolutely stellar guest. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.